So this, uh, this last week I've been studying John's Gospel, still studying John chapter 6. Uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We've come to give you life, the true bread from heaven. And I've been studying this passage, continuing to work through it. Actually, this chapter 6 of, of John's Gospel is 70-some verses long, and it's all one connected story. Uh, we're just taking bits and bits at a time. So. But this week I've been listening to Jesus and listening to him again say, I am the bread of heaven who's come down. Come down to give life to the entire cosmos. Uh, we translate it as a world, but in Greek it's cosmos, the entire world. And I'm realizing again and again and again that Jesus has come down on mission. That God has this mission in our world. And at verse 33, and we're going to read it here in a minute, Jesus says, I am the bread of heaven who has come down to give life to the whole world. And as you read that sentence, you, I begin to realize, I hope that we're all realizing, that this is a profoundly missional text. Profoundly missional thing that Jesus says. That he's coming down from his place in heaven to come, to bring God's kingdom, to save people, to restore us, to reconcile us to our Father in heaven. And as you read throughout John's Gospel, you realize that Jesus talks about this a lot. About saving. About reconciling us. About redeeming all of creation. About establishing God's reign on earth. But here's the next thing I began to realize. If Jesus is this, this Savior on mission, this God on mission, if he's on mission, then we who follow him, we're on mission too. If we're following Jesus, it makes us missionaries too. Now I feel this passion in me, this desire to make God known, to make God and his kingdom known, to help bring our friends and our neighbors into a meaningful relationship with Jesus, praying for the Holy Spirit to transform people's lives, praying for God to bring the fullness of his peace, the justice and the mercy the joy and the celebration, the bounty of God's peace on earth. I have to tell you, more and more I feel like my role as pastor is growing as, also as missionary in our community. Spending time with our friends and neighbors and encouraging them in faith. Helping them see that God is calling them. That God desires a relationship with them and he wants to make their lives full. Now I know some of you feel this way too. I've had conversations with some of you. You say, yeah, I feel like God is calling me on mission here in Balfour, here in the Kootenays, but also in other parts of the world. But I also know some of you probably think, don't really think of yourselves as missionaries. Think, oh, those, those are certain other people who go to some far-off land. But I have to tell you, the more I read the Gospels, the more I'm convinced, the more I am convinced that following Jesus makes us missionaries too. Maybe not the kind who stand up on stages and, or who talk in front of large crowds, but the kind who meet for coffee with their neighbor, with their good friend, and talk about faith, and the kind who pray and watch for the Holy Spirit to see how the Holy Spirit is at work in our community, and then joining in with God. I think God has called us to be missionaries. I'm convinced of it. But the thing is, we are in a difficult time the culture around us, this particular time in history, the ideologies that sort of swim around with us are difficult. 
That's, it makes me think of our community in terms of the gospel as, as rocky ground. Jesus talked about, he told parables about different soils and he talked about rocky ground. And I want to make a point here. It's rocky. It's not barren, but it is rocky. It's not that nothing grows. It's just harder for things to grow. And it's interesting, as I talk with people in our community, as I listen, you know, I hear kind of a few, three kind of main themes. One is people are skeptical. I listen to people and they talk about the, the bad memories they had being in church when they were a kid. Or sometimes people talk about the things that they know or the things they've been taught and they just think, you know, I just, how can I believe that there's a God or that Jesus is God? It just seems difficult to believe for them. Seem almost, maybe I'm too smart for that sort of thing. So that's one thing. I see people are skeptical. The other thing I see is people, I see people who are really self-absorbed. I see people who are interested in a belief, but mainly one that fits with their life. You know, I want certain beliefs. You know, I can believe there's a God just as long as he doesn't challenge the way that I live. Because I want to do what I want to do. So I want a, a God or belief that fits with that. The last thing I see, too, is that there are people in our community who are just really rich. They just have tons of money. And so they don't feel like they really need God. If I really need something, I just go buy it. And if I start to feel discontent with the way things are, I just go buy something new, and that helps for a while. Or if I feel like you know, something's really wrong and I need help, I, I don't need to pray. I just go to the doctor. And if that doctor can't do it, then I pay more money to go to a better doctor. There's three things that kind of make mission difficult in our community. People are skeptical. People can be really, their world can revolve around themselves. And people are just really wealthy. <laughs> so they can feel like, I don't really need God. The soil here is rocky. And the thing is, I find that the rockier the soil, the harder it grows, the harder that I work at it, which isn't so good. <laughs> the harder I try to do it under my own strength, the harder I try to plant seeds and then make them grow, right? Has anybody ever tried to make a seed grow? How's that gone for you? <laughs> No. I mean, we can plant seeds, we can cultivate soil, we can pour water, but we can't make things grow. Trust me, I wish I could, (laughs) but I can't. We can't. So Jesus is talking about this this week as this text that we're going to be reading this morning, talking about who makes seeds grow. So if you will, turn with your Bibles with me to John chapter 6, verse 33. Or also, too, if in your bulletin there's this white sheet, if you don't have a Bible with you, or if you just want to look at that particular section with us. So this is partway through the, con- through the conversation. For those of you who weren't here this last week, just before this, Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. And they were stuffed full. And then they tried to make him his king, and then he kind of slipped away up to a mountain quietly to pray. His disciples left across a boat, and Jesus joined them walking on the water in the middle of a storm. He calmed the storm and then brought his disciples to the other side. When all the other people, kind of the next day, when they realized that Jesus wasn't there anymore, they came looking for him. And this is sort of the conversation that they have, or the part of it, part way down. So listen to this story again, or to these words again. So Jesus saying to them, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
Sir, the, the whole people who were gathered there, they said, From now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him, of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that has given me, that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may, not, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will live, uh, give for the life of the world. So as I hear this text, as I hear Jesus speaking, I realize, and it's pretty plain there, pretty, pretty apparent, Jesus says, ultimately, no one comes to him unless they are drawn by the Father. Now God can use all sorts of things to draw people, but ultimately it's not in the stuff. It's not in the programs or the, the apologetics or the arguments. It's God who draws. It's the Father who draws people to Jesus. Now the thing is, the thing that's hard about this is there's this part, and if you read through the Gospels, you get this sense that there's just a lot of people who just won't follow Jesus. As you read through the Gospels, you hear that there are large crowds who just won't follow. It's hard to hear. It's one of the hardest parts of the Gospel for me is that there's just a lot of people who will not follow. God will draw them, but they just won't follow. I mean, Jesus was talking about, he's talking here to a group of people. He said, there are people who will see, but they won't believe. People who will see what God is doing, and yet they still won't believe. It's hard, because we want people to follow. We want people to experience this life, to see who Jesus is. And yet, there's some who just will not. But there is good news. There is good news because God is calling people. And everyone that he calls, this thing will work, (laughs) everyone he calls, he will never lose. That's the good news, is that God is drawing people and Jesus will never lose them. Nothing will ever come between them. Listen to this part of this, this passage again at verse 36. It says, But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him at the last day. It goes down to say there just a little bit further that none come to the Father, sorry, none come to Jesus except the Father who draws them. I say this to encourage us that Jesus will lose none. Because sometimes people are concerned. Am I working hard enough? Am I doing enough? Faith is not about doing. Faith is about following Jesus and letting that work out in our lives. <coughs> Think that we have to earn this. It's something that we have to do to earn this. It actually works against us and we stop following Jesus and we start following our own ability to serve. But Jesus says, none come to him unless the Father draws him. Which is pretty surprising for me as we started to realize that not only is it that God's grace sends Jesus down, but it's also God's grace that lifts us up in faith. I don't know if you heard that in the passage. Because sometimes we think, like, God's grace sent Jesus, but then it was up to me and my, my astute observations to realize who Jesus is that I realized that Jesus is God, but it's not. It's actually God, the Father, who draws us. Not only does God send his Son, but he's also the one who draws us up. It's a gift. It's grace. Now, it's true that we can, we can reject. If God draws us, we can say, no, thank you, not interested. That's on us. That's not God's desire. God desired that he would draw us and that we would follow him, that we would follow Jesus. But we can refuse. But it does make the point, though, that if faith, faith is a gift of God. Faith in Jesus, recognizing who he is, is a gift of God. That God draws us. Not that we can pat ourselves on the back, thinking, boy, I've really got this one right. I've really made a great decision here. But that God draws us. Now, the thing is, this leads into questions of predestination, which you don't have to worry about all that. It's systematic theology talk. But it does ask, ask questions about, you know, if God is drawing, where, how do we relate to that? Or how does that fit in with us following God? I mean, not only does Jesus say that God draws people, but he also says Jesus came for the whole world. So what I would say is for us to hold the two together, that God uses us, but ultimately faith is, is God's gift. It's God drawing us, to hold them together, to not err too far in one way or the other. I remember talking with some friends of mine. Um, I used to serve in a Reformed church. I have a very high view of predestination or a very high view that it's God who draws only, almost like fate. And there were some people in the church who had been faithfully, in my mind, faithfully following Jesus for years, and yet they were still uncertain if they were drawn or not. They had this, such a high view or such an extreme view of election or who's in and who's out. They didn't even know if they were in. They didn't even know if their relationship with God was real. And then I talk with other, and sometimes, too, uh, the Reformed churches had not had a very large history of mission because they kind of thought, well, God will just draw who he draws, so it doesn't really matter what we do, which is not at all what Jesus says. Jesus keeps saying it matters. And in fact, I'm sending you out. How many times in the Gospels do you remember Jesus sending out his disciples? 
The last thing he says in Matthew's gospel is, I'm sending you out to go and make disciples of all the nations. But if we are following Jesus, we're also following him into mission. Jesus is saying all of this. It's actually in verse 64 of John 6. He says, I'm telling you all these things because Jesus knew from the beginning. And the word there is like the beginning, as in in the beginning was the word. (laughs) The very beginning. (laughs) Before everything else was created. Jesus knew who was going to believe and who would not. Yet he still says it's up to the Father who draws. It's the Father who draws people to him, to his Son, Jesus. Those who, even though people may see, they don't necessarily believe, but it's the Father who draws. So we hear this text and we hear God working and speaking. Realize that God has this role in mission. God has this role in in salvation and election. God is involved in all of it. But one thing we do know for certain is that it's the Father who draws us to Jesus. So how does this work, right? The big question for us is how does this affect our understanding of mission? How does this affect our lives and the way we live? Well, first thing I realize is that it reminds us what we can't do. As we hear this passage, we realize what we can't do. We can't make people follow Jesus. And I hear the Holy Spirit speaking directly to me at this because I try so hard. I want to plant that seed and then I want to make that seed grow. But it's not me, it's not us who, who makes people believe. It's not our techniques, it's not the programs, it's not the words or the arguments that we use. It's God who draws. And in my more, when I'm in the right frame of mind, when I'm more lucid, I thank God for that. I praise God that it's not up to me. That I can't do things to manipulate people. But it's still hard. My heart breaks. My heart aches for people in our community, people in my own family. That they would know, that they would realize who Jesus is. They would realize who he is and begin following him with their lives. But it's not up to us. We can't do it. That's not to say that we ever give up, though. We've got people in our families. Many of you have people who are close to you. We never know when God is going to finally, or when God is going to draw them, or when they're going to finally respond to God drawing them. And so we keep praying for them. We keep encouraging them. Never giving up. But at the same time, realizing that it's not up to us to do it. So that's the first thing, how it affects our lives. We realize what we can't do. But in realizing what we can't do, we are clear or we are good or set free to realize what we can do. And it's crucial that we do it, that we pray. That we pray that God would draw people. That God would draw our neighbor or our friend or that person in our family that we care about. That God would draw them and they would realize who Jesus is. God is working on me in this to keep praying for people. Because the more that I realize that it's not up to me, the more I rely on God, which is what I should have always been doing. I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I think I've, coming through a time when I used to think that that mission was about 80-20. Kind of hate to say it, but 80% me. All the stuff I'm doing, the 
the ways I'm ministering to people and I'm about 20% God, just, you know, him to kind of put the icing on the cake. I was so wrong. It's 100% God. It's 100% our Father in Heaven who draws people. And so we pray. The more I realize this, the more I pray. I'm praying all the time now. When I think of people, I pray for them. I have friends in our community who either don't quite realize who Jesus is or they realize but they don't care. And I pray for them all the time. That God would draw them. Keep praying unceasingly. Paul talks about this. When we realize it's not up to us, we begin to realize that it's up to God and that causes us to pray. The other thing too that I realize is that praying doesn't mean that we're just sidelined. But we still have seeds to plant. Faithfully planting seeds in people's lives. Serving, cultivating the soil, conversations, encouragement, prayer. <laughs> Doing these things to plant seeds in people's lives because we will be surprised at how God uses us. We'll be surprised at the people that God will use even when we think we're, we're the ones who are gonna be, who's going to finally change that person in my family to faith or to help them. We'll be surprised at how they don't listen to a word we say and yet then some person comes and just says one thing to them and they start thinking, you know, maybe there's something to this. Or maybe they just give their lives over to Jesus. It's surprising who God uses. And so we keep praying, we keep asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how are you at work? What are you up to in our community or the lives of my friends and, and our family? What are you up to and wh- how can I join in you? How can I join in with you, God, in what you're doing? It's amazing the random things that God will use, the things that seem to us that that's, that's what did it. <laughs> that's the thing that drew you. They surprise us. I was reading this last week. Um, a pastor, his name is Neil Cole. He was telling a story about... A friend, uh, he called him Joe, said he was anonymous, who was a Satanist. Uh, and he was coming to their, to their gatherings in a coffee shop. And, and so Joe came to one of their kind of church services. And he had, so Joe, this, Neil had a friend who was a missionary and an apologist, had all these great you know, reasons why people should believe. And so he kind of put them together and he said, you know, wait to see what would happen. And and so he had this friend who had been a missionary for a long time and knew all the arguments. And he starts talking with, with Joe, his friend who's a Satanist. And he starts talking to him, you know, Jesus was either, he was either a savior, a liar, or a lunatic. And he starts getting into it. And he gets just, you know, to the first part. He's, you know, Lord or liar. And pretty soon Joe says, wait, wait, let me finish this one for you. The Satanist finishes the article for him or the, the argument for him. He says, yeah, I read that one too. I, I love C.S. Lewis and I love the stuff that he writes. So basically, this Satanist friend totally blew this missionary apologist out of the water. Just said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I've heard all that before. Well, then later, Joe is at the, one of their services again and this new believer is a girl named Michelle. She just began following Jesus. And they went out to go have a smoke together after the service. And Neil was pretty concerned for her because she just began following uh, Jesus. She just began. She was new, really impressionable. 
And he was kind of like, you know, make sure I connect with her, you know, that he doesn't totally mess her up or confuse her. But he was so surprised at what happened. Just Joe went on, you know, he's a really smart guy, <laughs> brilliant. He starts talking to her about all these reasons, all these things, you know. And, and Michelle basically says, you know, Joe, you're, you're way too smart for me. I can't, even, I can't even keep up with what you're saying. She said, but I do know this. I used to go to bed every night realizing that there was nobody or thinking that nobody cared whether I got up the next morning. I was completely alone. And then Jesus found me. And now I realize that I was never alone. That I am never alone. And that was the end of the conversation. And a few weeks later, Neil talks about, he says, Joe came up to him and said, I'm thinking about changing religions. <laughs> I'm either going to be a Buddhist or a Christian. And he said, rather, I mean, smartly, he said, rather than saying, why do you want to be a Buddhist? He said, why do you want to be a Christian? And he said that his friend Joe, the Satanist, then went on for an hour trying to explain to him why he should become a Christian. It's amazing how God works. You see, in our minds, it should have been the, the guy who was the, had all the arguments, the, mis- the missionary, the guy who knew all the answers. It should have been him who changed Joe's mind. And yet it was this girl, this young woman who just come to faith, who spoke right to the heart of what Joe was wrestling with. God uses amazing things. He uses surprising things and people and, and random things. that We'd think, how does that help? And yet God uses them because it's God who's drawing. I say this to encourage us, to set us free in some ways, that it's not up to us to make people follow Jesus. I mean, hopefully most of you already know that. It's still God is still working on me. But that by praying, we do have a role that we pray and that we say, God, here I am. Use me however you want to in this person's life. So I want us to do one thing this week. I want us to pray. To pray that the Father would draw people to Jesus this week. It doesn't have to be elaborate. I'm telling you, in my own life, it's, I start thinking, oh, yeah, that's right, and I start praying for that person right there. I mean, if you want to set an hour aside, great, do that. I think God will bless that. But if it just comes to you throughout the day, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Just pray that God would draw people to Jesus. That God would keep drawing people to Jesus. Pray that you'd see how the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives. Holy Spirit, what are you up to? Let me join in with you. Pray that that God would use us, that we'd be available. God would use us in their lives to encourage them in faith. And then watch what happens. I think we are going to be amazed. I'm convinced that we will be amazed at how God works in people's lives this next week if we will pray that way. I've noticed in the last few weeks people coming and visiting. People who I haven't seen in a long time coming here and visiting. Curious about who Jesus is. I think that is God drawing you. I think that is God the Father drawing you. Bringing you here. So that you can hear about Jesus how how deeply he loves you. How he has saved us and meant to reconcile us to our Father in heaven. How he's coming to establish God's kingdom on earth. I believe that is God's Spirit drawing you. And I see the link. Deb was talking about it today. The link between prayer and seeing people coming. 
God drawing people to Jesus. So this week I want us to do one thing. I want us to pray. Pray that the Father in heaven would draw people to his Son. And then watch to see what he does. Amen.